for that. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Appreciate the invitation. Whether you know it or not, you uh, will always be special to me. And I may have said this last time, but at my age, I don't remember. Um, I know, I'm not that old. And the funny thing I noticed that when I came back, you, the children are growing up and getting older looking, uh, but the rest of you haven't aged a bit. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you will always be special to me. I don't know, I did mention this to a, a couple this morning. This week as I was preparing, I realized... Um, my dad has been gone now for a little over a year, and this was the last place that uh, my dad and mom got to hear me preach. Not that that's such an honor um, from my perspective, but from their perspective, you know how parents are with their kids. They're pretty biased when it comes to their kids. Um, so there will always be a link uh, to you uh, with me. And I remember dad testifying that morning about his cancer, and I'm so thankful. Uh, as I miss Dad, that I know where he is, and I have no doubt who he's with. And uh, there's a great old song, and in fact, the song that I sang this morning is a song that I used to sing with my parents. And um, there's another great old song that says, Heaven's sounding sweeter all the time. Lately, it seems like that's all that's on my mind. Uh, but I'm thankful that one of these days, uh, we will be reunited again. And I anticipate that, look forward to that. Would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4? And what I would like to uh, speak to you about this morning and tonight is kind of a broad topic of transformation. Uh, Transformation is kind of another word for change. Um, some people like change. Some people fight change wholeheartedly. But Scripture really indicates to us that change is necessary. Proverbs chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. I think this is maybe the clearest, most concise statements in Scripture regarding the need to experience a renovation, if you will, of our character or our hearts. And I'll explain as we go along this morning. If you've studied Job, and I appreciated the passage that we read from the book of Job this morning, 
And I alluded to it in my prayer, but in that passage, Job says, after I'm tested, I will come forth like gold. I'm convinced through Scripture, as we found in the book of Job, God is more interested in developing our character and developing that character into Christ-likeness than maybe anything else. Now, I have to ask the question because sometimes the temptation is to hear a statement like that and begin to feel like we are very special and to feel like we're more important than we should think we are or we might think more highly of ourselves than we should. Now, before you think I'm, I'm down on all of us, I'm not, really. I truly believe that God sent His one and only Son to die in our place to save us from our sins and to conform us or transform us, I should say, into Christ-likeness. But there's a purpose for which He did all that. If we read 2 Corinthians 3.18, listen to these words. Paul says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord. And then again, very familiar passage in Romans 12 that where Paul urges us in view of God's mercy to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to Him. And he goes on to say, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world any longer. But what? Be transformed by the renewing of our minds that we may prove God's perfect, pleasing, and acceptable will. Transformation into Christ-likeness is expected of us as His children. But the purpose, I believe, is to bring glory and honor to Himself and to continue to reveal to a lost world that He is God. For transformation into Christ-likeness cannot happen in any other way than through His grace and power. Christianity is really a journey of personal transformation that begins, we know, at conversion. What is conversion? Well, it's when someone comes to an understanding, I am lost and I need someone to save me. And they are convicted by the Holy Spirit and convinced that Jesus Christ died for them and has the power to save them from their sins and to change their life. And they surrender to that truth and ask God to forgive them and to come into their heart. Conversion. Repentance. A change of mind. A change of direction. And this transformation does not stop until we get to glory. I think that's what kind of reminded me of my dad. 
I'm thankful that his transformation into Christ-likeness is now complete. And we know that when Jesus returns, there will be a great resurrection. Those who have gone on before us will rise first and will have a glorified body. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up with them together to be with the Lord forever and ever and ever. But this transformation involves our total being. Now, I'm not smart enough to figure all this out. I'll be the first to admit it. Some people say we're two parts and some people say we're three parts. I'm not here to tell you how many parts we are. But what I am telling us is that this transformation involves our total being. And the quote from Jesus when He was answering the question about the greatest commandment, it involves our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our strength. And if you look back at the text we read, what part of the body, what part of the human being is left out? Guard your hearts above all else. Put away perversity from your mouth. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, remember, the mouth speaks. Let your eyes look straight ahead and fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take ways that are only firm. Don't swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So with the very core of our being, with everything that we look at, with everything that we think about, with every place we let our feet go to, we're to guard ourselves. It involves this transformation. Our choices, our experiences, our triumphs, our tragedies, our disappointments. It involves our decisions and responses to those experiences from our inner being. And because it's through that inner being that we understand the world around us. Dr. Dallas Willard says this, Our life and how we find the world now and the future is almost totally a simple result of what we have become in the depths of our being our spirits, will, or heart. From there we see our world and interpret our reality. From there we make our choices, break forth into action, and try to change our world. Our transformation in the depths of our being is an act of both the grace and the power of God. What I want to ask you this morning is are you surrendered to this transformation that God wants to bring forth inside of you? Jesus set the example. He always does. And He tells us in Matthew 5.20, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Can I remind us of what he means by that? The righteousness of the Pharisees 
Was it real, true righteousness? No, because Jesus said, unless your righteousness surpass theirs, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What kind of righteousness then did they have, the Pharisees? Self-righteousness. They looked holy. They talked holy. But God knew their heart. Can I ask you, uh, do I look holy to you? I've had people say to me, you look like a preacher. I always wonder, what does that mean? Do you look holy to me? What does holy look like? Well, the bottom line is, we don't know because we can't see one another's hearts. Only God knows the hearts, and He judges accordingly. So Jesus says this to us because He understood the heart of the Pharisees were was self righteousness. They looked good on the inside, but He said, I mean, on the outside, but on the inside, He said, "You're full of death and corruption." Outwardly, you look like whitewashed tombs, but you're full of death. And he even told them that they were hindering those who wanted to come into the kingdom by laying burdens so heavy on others, they couldn't carry them. The Pharisees themselves couldn't carry these burdens. They were interested in how they looked. They were interested in what others thought about them. But you see, Jesus came to save us and transform us from the inside out. I tell parents all the time when I'm dealing with childish behavior. They, they say, well, you know, what little Johnny did wasn't all that bad, was it? And I often will say, well, the act itself wasn't all that bad, but what we're focused on is the attitude with which little Johnny said that. Or the attitude with which little Johnny did that. We know that real transformation does not occur from the outside in. It occurs from the inside out. And Paul tells us in Galatians, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. He was struggling. He was praying. He was wrestling for His people on behalf of His people until Christ was formed in them. This is the goal. Christ formed within us. It's impossible to please God and to be holy as God is holy by human effort. Some people would disagree with me, but I have told people before when they said, I cannot kick this habit. I cannot straighten my life out. I feel like I need to straighten my life out before I come to God. And I will say to them, stop trying. Just stop it. And surrender to the reality that you can't clean up your act. You can't straighten your life out. The best that we can do is to surrender to God and admit, I can't do what you ask me to do. I can't be who you're asking me to be. And I think it's then that God says, 
that's right where I want you. Now, if you'll give me your life, your mind, your heart, your activities, your will, your emotions, your words, everything, your total being, I will begin to transform you into the person that I created you to be. Again, I want to quote Dallas Willard. He says, Christian spiritual formation is focused entirely on Jesus. That's another area we need to be careful of. I know this is kind of weird to to say after what I've said, but we can't just focus on personal improvement, self-improvement. We need to focus on Jesus, on Him. He is our strength. He is the one who can bring transformation. He is the only one who can change us from the inside out. If we begin to get self-focused, we get ourselves back into the same trouble, back into the same problems, back into the same ruts and habits. But going on, Dr. Willard says, its goal, this spiritual transfer, or this spiritual formation, its goal is an obedience or conformity to Christ that arises out of an inner transformation accomplished through purposeful, purposive interaction with the grace of God in Christ. Obedience is an essential outcome of Christian spiritual formation. In other words, he says three things. One, you can't experience transformation without Jesus in you. It's impossible. Is Jesus inside of you? Secondly, in order to experience transformation, we have got to be living in intimate, interactive relationship with God. Can I lovingly and kindly ask you, how is your relationship with the Lord? We have to be on guard all the time. Our hearts, our lips, our hands, our feet, our minds. Thirdly, obedience is not an option. And I want to remind us, obedience is a natural outcome of living in intimacy intimacy with the Lord. Obedience is not easy. Especially when we begin to, to think or we allow the cares of life or the stress of life to squeeze God out of our time and our schedules. Now, God is still there, but we don't take time to be in His presence or to be with Him. You know what I mean? To commune with Him. But as we take time to commune with Him and we pray the prayer, Father, help me to walk in step with Your Spirit today. He enables us to obey Him. It's not an act of human will. It's a surrender and a trust in the power and the grace of God to obey Him. We've got to understand, all of us are undergoing spiritual formation all the time, whether good or bad. Good or bad depends upon whom we love and 
for whom we're living. The very nature of Christian spiritual formation is not self-centered or self-focused. The only way we can truly transform into Christ-likeness is to surrender ourselves. Are you surrendered today? In our natural state, we will always refuse to surrender. Our natural state means in our state without Christ. Surrender doesn't come easily. It doesn't come naturally. I mentioned this a minute ago, but you remember the expert in the law stood up to test Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. There's no part of the human person that's left out of this great command. But we can't love with God with our whole heart and not with our strength. We can't love God with our strength and not our mind. We can't love God with our mind and not our heart. We get it, don't we? It must involve the total being. Anything less, anything less is unacceptable to the Lord. I want to challenge you today to take this, I don't want to call it a concept, this instruction of God's living word. Be transformed. It's an imperative. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your feet from evil. Surrender your total self to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Then and only then are we effective, useful instruments of God's grace to others. Let me close with this passage. Paul tells us in Romans 6, 12-14, Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. We're going to sing...
a song in closing. I want to invite you to stand with me. And I don't know how the Lord has spoken to you this morning. But I think you understand the altar is always open. This song is based on Psalm 139. And the psalmist says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. If you would like to come and give your life to Christ, please do so. If you would like to come and renew your relationship with the Lord, or the Lord has just pinpointed something in you that you need to talk to Him, please come. We'll pray together as, as we close.
minute. As we close, I want to just share quickly this with you. I was teaching a, a class uh, on our district on holiness and a complete consecration. And I had students in that class who obviously were Christians and fully surrendered to the Lord and studying for the ministry. And they brought up an interesting question. One of them said, you know, when I think about surrendering myself completely to the Lord, it scares me. And I ask, why does it scare you? Because I feel like somehow I will lose myself. Somehow I don't know the person who I'll become. I don't know what God may ask of me. I want to assure you that outside of Christ, we can never become who God intends us to be or who God created us to be. And it's only when we completely surrender to Him that God can do the work of bringing us to the person, the man or woman, that He created us to be. It's not that you lose yourself. It's only in Christ, in a full surrender, do we become fully human. We become fully Christian. That's God's desire for you. That's God's plan for you. And it was all along. So don't fear it. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the written Word that You have preserved for us over the generations. And Father, we can read it and by Your Spirit understand it and allow it to change our hearts, our minds, our total beings. I thank You for the living Word, the Jesus who became flesh and dwelt among us and revealed to us You, Father. For Jesus said, if You've seen Me, You've seen the Father. I thank You that Jesus willingly gave up His life, died, was buried, rose on the third day, ascended to You, intercedes for us at Your right hand so that we have the opportunity, Father, to be made new, that You could take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh and put Your Spirit within us that we can be transformed into the men and women that You created us to be in the first place and to do Your will, not for our glory, but for Your glory, O oh Lord, that You can redeem and change and transform this world. Oh Lord, thank You for the Spirit of truth who because of Christ dwells within us and guides us into all truth and brings all that Jesus said to us to our memories that we may obey You, who equips us and empowers us for Your service. Now, Lord, we praise You and thank You today that You are God and we are not. Help us 
to fully surrender to that truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed.